On this day that we honor mothers, it's good for us to think about how much you really do, um, about how much we really, you really mean to us. Being a mother, as we have an idea, is not a walk in the park. Um, just bearing a child, I praise God every day that I'm a man. <laughs> so that alone <laughs> deserves uh, an honor for the moms. By the time a child reaches 18, a mother uh, has had to handle some extra 18 hours of child-generated work. Did you guys know that? If you're a Filipino, maybe 36 hours, 36,000, double. Filipino kids are more needy. <laughs> In fact, women who never have children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in, in leisure time. Imagine. A junior high science teacher uh, lectured on the properties of magnets of, uh, for an entire class. The next day, he gave his students a quiz. The first question read like this. My name begins with an M, has six letters, and I pick up things. What am I? Half of the kids answered, mother. <laughs> that reminds me of the father who was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter. He got out their wedding album, thinking visual images would help, and explained the entire wedding service to the daughter. When he was finished, he asked if she had any questions. She pointed to a picture of the wedding party and asked, Daddy, is that when Mommy came to work for us? <laughs> so my dad... Um, so there's quite a lot of, um, I know about quite a few influential mothers. I think there's more. Um, but um, this quote is reminded of me today. If daddy ain't happy, who cares? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> you know, that's uh, true in our house. <laughs> And it's probably, probably true in many of your houses as well. Now, Ralph Waldo Emerson has said, Men are what their mothers make them. And an old Spanish proverb says, An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. There are some great portraits of motherhood in Scripture. Um, I love the picture of the mother of Moses, who cared so much for her son that she broke the law in order uh, to teach, to, to save the, the boy and to teach him, him the faith of his people. We see the sacrificial love of the mother who appeared before King Solomon and told him that she was willing to have her son taken away by another woman rather than see any harm come to him. Remember that story? Or the mother of James and John who loved her boy so much that she wanted them to sit by the Lord's side in the heavenly kingdom. And the mother of King Lemuel, who gave some advice to her son about godly living and how to pick a good wife, which is partly of what uh, Mikey read uh, earlier. It's in Proverbs 31, if you guys wanted to review that. Now, uh, personally, um, I have difficulty uh, when it's Mother's Day, and I'm aware some of you guys are too. You find, find difficulty in Mother's Day because... 
Maybe uh, you want to be a mother, but you can't. Um, perhaps some of you have not had the best mother in the world. Maybe some of you have had lost your mother. Some of you, some of you mothers feel the pain of wayward children. And some of you are flying solo as you work hard to nurture your child's faith and you feel alone. Now this evening, I want to begin with giving you my proposition. A mother can make a spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of a father. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, tonight, I'd like to introduce you to a young woman named Eunice. She was raised in a religious home and was greatly impacted by her mother, Lois. She loved to learn the stories from the Bible when she was young and enjoyed going to services where she could learn about God. Years later, she married someone whom her mother didn't approve of because they didn't share the same religion. After a couple years of marriage, Eunice and her husband had a baby boy who they named Timothy. In the meantime, Eunice's dad had died, so they had asked her mother Lois to come and live with them. Now, little Timmy was a delight to everyone. Both his mother and grandmother spent hours with him, teaching him the stories of the Old Testament, praying with him and praying for him, and training him in the things of God. Well, they didn't have any VeggieTales back then, or a Wana club nearby. The mom and the grandmother created a spiritual environment where Tiny Tim could flourish. And one day, a preacher named Paul came to their own town, came to the town of uh, Timothy, uh, which is called Lystra, and spoke about a man named Jesus. Both Lois and Eunice listened intently. They saw in Jesus the fulfillment of all the promises in the Old Testament and placed their trust in Him and were converted. Now these two new believers in turn focused on teaching Timothy all about who Jesus was. We know, about, we know this from reading the book of Acts that Paul himself took a personal interest in Timothy, the teenager, and partnered with um, his mother and his grandmother leading him to saving faith as well. Later, Paul and Timothy partnered together in ministry in the gospel, and as the gospel continues to spread throughout the area. Many years later, while Paul is in prison awaiting his execution, he writes two letters to young Timothy. These letters contain some teaching about how Timothy should behave as a church leader and are also filled with some reminiscing and nostalgia on Paul's part. As Paul writes these letters that we know as 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he reflects on the mothers who made an impact on Tim's life. With that as a background, I'm going to draw from three different passages of Scripture, two of which are found in Paul's second letter to Timothy, to show how a mother and a grandmother can make a significant, significant spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of a father. Amen? Amen. Let's please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the moms of this church. We thank you for all the blessings that you have given to us and their families through them. We thank you for keeping them safe and healthy all these years. And we ask now, Lord God, that you continue to anoint them with wisdom. Give them wisdom, Lord, and strength to continue to raise their children and their family 
to be God-fearing uh, men and women. May you bless them as well, Lord God. May you continue to give them the desires of their hearts, Lord God, as they continue to fall in love with you, as they continue to shine as the light of their home. And I pray, Father, that you continue to give them the heart to nurture and to love their children and everyone else that you bring along their path, Lord God. And Father, now as we go to your teaching, please give us wisdom, Lord God. Send us your Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord God, so that we may receive your message for each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Now, if you're a single man or a single woman listening tonight, um, if you're a single man with the points that we're going to have tonight, this is what you need to look for in a woman in order for you to have a godly wife. Because a godly wife is what you want so that they will be godly moms to your children. Now, if you're a single woman, this is what you want to be. You want to strive to be a godly woman so that you'll know how to handle uh, your children, raise them properly. Amen? (laughs) All right, I don't have that many single people, I take it. All right, first point, promote reverence for Scripture. That's the first point. A mom should promote reverence for the Scriptures. The first way a mother can do this is by instilling within her children a respect for Scripture. Promoting reverence for Scripture is how they can raise their children to be God-fearing man and woman, right? Now, in 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul reminds uh, Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. Then in verse 14, Paul urges Timothy to hang tough when the tough times come. Look at, this is 2 Timothy 3.14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Right? Living for the Lord is not easy. Amen? That's what we need to, moms and parents, that's what we need to tell our children. If we're not convinced about this ourselves, we're we're in complete denial. I don't know where where, where you're living in. But, there, is, there are so many challenges in life as a Christian. So we have to educate our children about this truth. And that's in the scripture. It's not like you're making it up or you want to burden them with some false notion of what, the li- what life should be. But this is the truth, right? Now, Timothy not only learned things cognitively or intelligently, he made a practice of owning and owning what he studied. He lived it by becoming convinced of the truthfulness of everything he learned. He didn't just fill his head with truth, but internalized it and then lived it out. I think Timothy did this because he saw it modeled in his mother, in his grandmother, and in his grandmother, and in Paul himself. Timothy was blessed with a mom and a grandmother who feared the Lord and lived it. He was blessed with women in his life to teach him about the Word of God, and they were also living it. So he was seeing it. So that's why he was convinced, he, he read it, he was convicted, and then he saw it in his parents, the people that he loved and cared about, his grandmother and the mother. Now, in the matter of devout Israelites, grandmother Lois uh, and mother Eunice taught the Holy Scriptures to Timothy from the very beginning. The word uh, infancy in some passages refers to a newborn baby or a toddler. Am I in there? Um, Here. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. 
right? Which are, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, Lois and Eunice... Lois and Eunice teamed up to provide high-powered Bible study fellowship. They, they put that together for Timothy, even before he could crawl. This is what we're, we're thinking there, because the, the word infancy. They read to him. They talked about Samson and Samuel, David and Ruth, Abraham and Noah. They did everything they could to provide Timothy with the opportunity to learn all he could about the Bible. Amen? Coffee? No. Not interesting. <laughs> in essence, they lived out the commands of Moses. This is the commands of Moses in uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4-7. to Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, these two mothers had God's word in their hearts, Lois and Eunice, because they had internalized the truth into their own lives. They could impress it, it, it upon young Timothy by talking about it throughout the day, showing Tim how the scriptures should impact every aspect of their life, of his life. Now, this is the application. Mothers, uh, it is never too early to start teaching the Bible to your children. Amen? Now, and it's never too late to start if you haven't already. Now, the challenge here is this, parents, moms. If you yourself are not reading it, it'll be very challenging for you to teach it to your children. Amen? And we hear it often, and it's quite true, that there, are, there is more caught than taught. There is nothing that can replace your role in your children's life. Do you guys understand that? There's, there, no one can, can uh, replace you. You are the mom. And moms have power over their children. And if you are the one that's totally telling your children, teaching them about the Word of God, your children will respect that, hear it, and accept it, and be convinced by it. Now, there are four scholars, there were four scholars who were arguing over Bible translations. One said he preferred the King James Version because of its beauty and eloquent Old English. Another said he liked the New American Standard Version for its literalism and how it moves the reader from passage to passage with confident feelings of accuracy from the original text. The third scholar was sold on the New Living Translation for its use of contemporary phrases and idioms that capture the meaning of difficult ideas. After being quiet for a moment, the fourth scholar admitted, and he said, I have personally preferred my mother's translation. When the other scholar started laughing, he said, yes, she translated the scriptures. My mom translated each passage, each passage of the Bible into life. It is the most convincing translation I have ever read. Mothers, what kind of Bible is your child reading 
when he or she observes your life? Are you looking for ways to instill a respect for the word of God into the lives of your children? Or are you doing the opposite? Remember, you and you alone can make a significant spiritual impact on your children with or without the help of a father. Amen? Second point, promote. Moms are to promote genuine faith. The second way to make an impact in the lives of your children is by instilling within, within them an authentic, authentic faith. 2 Timothy 1.5 reads, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, even though Lois and Eunice were believers, Timothy needed to come to a point in which he, put, he puts his faith in Christ. Faith is not hereditary. Amen? Five people. I'm glad you guys know it. It's not hereditary. Not because the parents are Christians, their children will be Christians. The child themselves will also need to also come to the conclusion that they are sinners and they need Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So, it is not hereditary. It is learned. And at the same time, when mothers model genuine faith, an environment is set up whereby children will be motivated to want that same kind of faith. The word sincere related to faith means that it was unhypocritical. It was real without any pretense or false facade. Faith had come and had taken up residence in his mother's heart and in his grandmother's heart and was now alive in his own life. These two mothers were completely sold out to Christ. Now, do your children see that in you? Do they see someone who's really sold for the Lord? Do they see someone that's really captured and captivated by Jesus? Do they see parents that are really living for the Lord? Or do they just see you at church on Sundays? Now, Lois and Eunice, Eunice, they were dropped dead serious about their faith. They were fully devoted and completely committed. And Timothy knew it. No one knows better than a child whether a parent's faith is genuine. Amen? Now, it reminds me of Bong when he was six. Bong was in his Sunday school, and his Sunday school teacher said that, you know, you have to be living in a Christian household in order for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You have to belong to a household of faith who loves Jesus and lives for Jesus. That was the teaching of the Sunday school teacher, the Bong. So when Bong got in the car with his parents, Bong started crying. And then the parents go, the dad goes, Bong, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Oh, my Sunday school teacher says I need to belong to a Christian household. <laughs> that was the joke. You'll catch on later. <laughs> now, but going back to Eunice and Lois, do you see the chain there? Lois, the grandmother, the mom of Eunice, taught Eunice everything about God and lived it out. And then Eunice to Timothy, right? Again, we don't read of a grandfather or a father anywhere in the situation. They were, they were not mentioned. 
That's not to say that a father is not important, okay? Fathers, we are important. What I'm saying is this. A mother can make a significant spiritual impact on her children with or without the help of a father. Now, father, that's not an excuse for you to not be involved in raising your child to be a God-fearing man. Now, here's the application. Moms, if you want to instill authentic or genuine faith in your children, then you better take your own faith seriously. Amen? We're growing, we're growing, we're going to six now. If you're just going through the motions, spiritually, if you're just, okay, it's Sunday now, let's go make it to church. I don't want to hear it from Pastor Joe. You know, if you're just going through the motions, the children will see that. They will feel it. As you demonstrate your faith consistently by reading the Bible, praying, attending worship, bringing your kids to programs that will help them grow spiritually, and by participating in the life and the mission of the church, you will send a strong message to your children. Right? No? You never tell your child that it's okay to miss school, I suppose. Amen? I don't think so. I think we're built. Here's is a, this is mostly Filipinos, and I see Brother Anmon, Sister Shami. We're pretty, pretty heavy on education, right? We're not saying, like, oh, it's okay for you to miss, miss school, but why do we allow them to miss church? Right? I heard recently of about a pastor. Oh, gosh. Right, here we go. I lost my. Okay, I heard recently about a pastor who had a long conversation with someone about becoming a member of his church. When he was done, the young man said he was ready to join them. The pastor was curious, so he asked him, what did I say that convinced you to join the church? The man answered, it was nothing I ever heard you say. It was the way my mother lived. Now, as I think about the kind of faith that was passed from the mother, Eunice, or Lois to the mother, um, Lois to the mother Eunice, and then to Timothy, I'm convinced that a mother like, like them has to be more interested in having their children know about the Bible, right? It, it's really a passionate lifestyle. It's not just like, all right, come on, it's five o'clock, it's Wednesday, sit down, let me read this to you. Quiet. Stop doing that. Right? No, I think there, there's really genuine faith there, genuine love, genuine care. Like, come on, sit down, Timothy. Let's read the Bible. Or then when Timothy was probably misbehaving, they'll talk about it. That's not what God wants you to do. Right? There's, there's intentional, right? Now, a mom who's trying to raise a five-year-old to be God-fearing, um, there, there should be... This, this, here's a list of what moms usually do, Okay? Um, so what you usually do and then to what a godly mother should be doing. Her, chil- her children's souls, she's, she should be more interested in her, chil- her children's souls than in their bodies or in their clothes, right? Because usually moms are always nurturing us, eat, cook, wash the clothes, right? Make the bed, have a clean house. But a godly mother should be nurturing their, her children's souls, Next one, she should, be, um, she should be worried or more interested about her children's eternal life, 
rather than their success in life. Right? I get it. We want our children to, to succeed in life. We, we want, to, want them to go to, to college. We want them to be nurses. We want them to be engineers, doctors, right? We want them to have these success. But we should also be genuinely interested in their eternal life. No? And then she should also be genuinely interested in, in her children's relationship with Jesus then them becoming popular on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or is their school. Right? A mother, a godly mother, should be genuinely interested in her children standing before God than their social status. Oh, my, my, my child, you know, he's, he's homosexual, but at least he's an attorney. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's giving the social status more importance than being right with the Lord. Oh, my, my child, he's living in sin, but at least he, you know, he's going to retire comfortably because he's a good he has a good job. He has a good career. A, a godly mother should be more interested in the spirituality of their children, of her children, than their intellectual achievements or their musical accomplishments or their athletic accomplishments, right? If your child is saved, but yet they, they don't become the football player that you were praying for, who cares? They're saved for eternity. But you know, some of us, we got that all reversed, right? We got that all reversed. Our child will say, I want to go to the missions, and, and I'm going to have to drop out for a year. Well, what do we say? Are you crazy? What do you mean missions? Wait. Wait till you graduate. Then you go to the missions. Buy yourself a house first. Then you go to the missions. What do you mean you're going to be a pastor? Are they going to pay you? <laughs> you know, pastors don't make money. What are you talking about, Bible study? Stop. Go do your work. Now, isn't, that, isn't that reverse? Well, you know, while it isn't in the text, a mother who passes along a faith that is authentic is without a doubt a praying woman. Amen? Moms, you should be the number one prayer warrior for your children or your child. Any home in which faith is passed on from generation to generation has to be a home of prayer. One cannot imagine Lois not praying for Eunice or Eunice not praying for Timothy. Now we read in Acts, we can read in Acts 12, 12 that the mother of John Mark opened her home for a prayer meeting while Peter was imprisoned. And then in Acts 1 to 14, Mary, the mother of Jesus, joined together constantly in prayer with the disciples. That's the hallmark of a godly mother. So moms, are you praying sincerely with a contrite heart for your children, knowing that the world out there is out there to get them? Are you praying contritely? Now, Timothy's family environment was fertile to his faith development. Both his mother and his grandmother held their faith deeply and shared it freely. How fertile is the environment in your family for the reproduction and the nurturing of authentic faith in the lives of your children and grandchildren? How fertile is it? Is it good soil? Are your children in a good soil? Or is it in dry, rocky dirt. 
Is there room for them to grow? Are you, are you fertilizing them with prayer? Bless you. Mothers, are you passing along a legacy of genuine faith to your kids? I mean, I get it. You love them. Great. Every mom loves their children. I hope, right? Now, look, look at this. This is Francis of Assisi. They said, he said this. Preach the gospel at all times. Use word if necessary. Right? Now, this exhortation implies that it is more effective to communicate the gospel by example than by simply sharing it verbally. Parents who always say, do what I say, don't do what I do. <laughs> right? It usually doesn't work. Regardless of who first uttered these words, because I'm confused, I'm kind of re reading debates that it's not him who said it. The truth is we, were all, we are all called, all of us who surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, we are all called to live out the gospel in both word and in deed. Amen? The Apostle Paul tells us, through the book, in, uh, through Colossians, in Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, regular Christians, there's, this is an article from um, uh, Time, in, in Time. Uh, this is the title. Regular Christians are no longer welcome in American culture. This was written there. Uh, now, we know, I think, I think all of us know, we all know that our current culture, our current society, living out our faith in word and deed is becoming more difficult. Amen? Amen. There were threats today that the uh, pro-choice people were going to be attacking or protesting in, 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 in churches. That's probably why uh, some people did miss church today. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it, there's, there's a great attack there, right? There's... Uh, there's hostile. There's, they're very hostile against us. Uh, now, there won't be Mother's Day if you guys were pro-choice. Right? The people that were up here, they were pro-life. They knew having a child would be difficult, but yet they decided to still have it. Now, here, uh, this article was written by Mary Eberstad in Time Chronicles. What has happened to some Christians, and her, this, this is what she wrote. What has happened to some Christians who have publicly acknowledged their faith? Uh, it's a list of it. Uh, some of the faithful have paid unexpected prices for their belief. Uh, the teacher in New Jersey was fired for giving a student a Bible. The football coach in Washington fired for saying a prayer on the field at the end of the game. The fire chief at Atlanta fired for, uh, for self-publishing a book defending Christian uh, moral teaching. And then the Marine... Uh, that was court-martialed for passing, uh, pasting a Bible verse above her desk. And uh, there are other examples of uh, new intolerance. Anti-Christian activities hurl smears like bigot and hater at Americans who hold traditional beliefs about marriage and accuse anti-abortion Christians of waging a supposed war on women. That's the funny thing, you know. Um, weeks before the, the leak came out, I know very political, right? But this is very related. When the leak came out that Roe versus Wade was going to be turned, there's been protests, loud protests, significant protests, protests about this. But weeks before that, they could not even define what a woman is. They were arguing that men themselves can have babies. 
But then now, again, it's back to war on women, and it's women's choice, right? So, parents, what am I saying? In Wednesday, during Wednesday, we studied about the, 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 the reality of, of the devil and his cronies. That they are out there to attack us and to, to, to devour us and to divide us. So if all of those are true, shouldn't you be a prayerful parent? And shouldn't you be truly living out what you're preaching to? Because our children, your children are out there. They're consuming this. They're this these things, they're being indoctrinated, indoctrinated in their schools. They're being indoctrinated, indoctrinated in the shows that they watch, in the media that they're holding. There's more evil than good. And if you try to be even good, you're made fun of. So your children are not just, you should just not be worried about their grades of your children or their careers or their relationships. You should be worried about their spiritual health. Amen? When it becomes real, you will be prayerful, I hope. Because some of you are probably not, not accepting it. Some of you who don't have children, you're probably not even consuming this, right? Some of you who are not married, probably not even consuming this. But when it becomes real in your life, when, it, when it's right there, I hope that you go down on your knees and pray with a broken heart and ask for God for help. The third point, promote eagerness to serve. The third way to impact your children is to promote, instill within them a desire an eagerness to serve or to minister. After Paul preached in Lystra and Timothy was converted, he returned a short while later. Um, this is, he came to uh, Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and, uh, Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brother at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along the journey. Now, there's three qualities in Timothy that were no doubt passed down by his mother and his grandmother. First, he was a strong believer. Timothy was a strong believer. He is referred to as a disciple. Now, Luke, the author of Acts, could have referred to him as a believer or a Christian, but he chose to call him a disciple. You know, a disciple is as when if they call you a disciple, its meaning is a learner and a follower. A disciple was one who was serious about Christ, not just one who was going through the motions. As we've already established, his mother modeled this type of authentic, no holds barred kind of faith. Now, second, second uh, attribute or uh, quality of Timothy. He had a good reputation. The believers in the area spoke well of Timothy. People knew him as a man of integrity and as a man of the word. He was rock solid. Again, this had to do a lot to do with his mother and his grandmother. Third, he was available. He was willing. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. If and when you read the book of Acts, you will see that Timothy was eager to minister. Operative word is eager. He knew it. He knew it meant leaving home, and he knew it that he will, he knew that he will be facing hardships. Now, friends, there is no way 
this kind of commitment to minister to ministry develops if he has not been encouraged at home. Amen? What do I mean? Your children will have no excitement or not interested at all in serving God if they don't hear you encourage them to do it. And then and serving in the ministry is inconvenient. When God calls you to do something, it will be inconvenient. It will be huge. It will be difficult. But the point is, if God called you, you are to do it. Now, when Paul stopped in Lystra for the second time, he enlisted Timothy to be his special assistant to replace John Mark. John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, and he abandoned Paul during the first time. Paul refers to Timothy as his, quote-unquote, beloved son in 1 Corinthians 4.17 and in 1 Timothy 1.2. He calls him his own son in the faith. That's what Paul called Timothy. In Philippians 2.20, Paul can't think of anyone like Timothy when he writes, uh, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Paul thought very highly of Timothy and couldn't wait to unleash him for ministry. Isn't that amazing? Paul, the great missionary, the man that was living for the Lord and sharing the gospel, met Timothy and he says, this is the man I need. There's no other man I need. Not mothers, part of your job is to instill a respect for the Bible and another, another responsibility or promote reverence for the Bible. Another responsibility is to promote genuine faith. Both two elements are only preliminary for the most important job you have to do, which is to instill or promote the desire in your children to serve. To serve. Now, I don't know. Are there talks there in your household that you say, you know, I can't wait for you to be called by the Lord. I don't know if God's calling you to be a pastor. Or is there more words where, I hope you're not called to be a pastor. Because you've seen what Pastor Joe, you see Pastor Joe, seven years, he gained 50 pounds. <laughs> Have you seen his pimples? You don't want that. <laughs> you seen his gray hair? I know. There should be an excitement from the parents. There should be encouragement from the parents. Are you being called by the Lord? Are you being called in the mission field? Are you being called to, be, to serve? There should be a great excitement from the moms, people that they love, people that they know care about them. Or is there more resistance? Oh, don't, huh? Don't. <laughs> don't. Don't me. I'm telling you, don't me. <laughs> don't take that calling. Because, because the children trust their parents, especially their mom. Are you encouraging them to be missionaries so they can identify their spiritual gifts on, and, and use them on a regular basis? So they can serve those who are hurting, those who are lost? Are you encouraging them to live a serious life, a life with integrity, so that their reputation is, is not hurting their reputation of Jesus? We are to be disciples so that we can disciple others. Is that part of your discussion with your children? 
Or are we just talking about you go nursing, you go engineering, you go dentist, you go, you know, is there like make millions of dollars and then help Papa, okay? Help me. <laughs> help me when, you're, when you have money. Yeah? You know, we are sanctified. We are set apart so that we can be sent to a lost and dying world. We say amen to that sometimes, right? With conviction. But then when it comes to our children, do we discourage them or do we push them and say, don't? Now here's Susan. Remember Susanna Wesley, a mother of 17, two of which were John and Charles Wesley, spent one hour each day praying for her children. One hour each day praying for her children. Well, you know, with 17 kids, five minutes each. I don't know how much it calculates. But, but one hour. In addition, she took each child aside for a full hour each week to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder her children were used of God to bring blessing to all of England and much of America. Charles and John Wesley, right? Now, I came across some parenting guidelines that helped her as a mother. Uh, here, subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Right? You don't spoil them. You subdue. Teach the child to pray as soon as he can speak. Right? You should be teaching them. Give the child nothing he or she cries for. And only for what is good for him or her, if he or she asks for it politely. Now, you have to teach them to prevent from lying. Uh, to, you know, to prevent lying, punish no fault which is freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. And then lastly, commend and reward good behavior. And then strictly observe all promises you have made to your child. Parents, if you want your child to, to count on God being faithful and being going to be there for them, you must be true to your promises as well. Because children see parents as a little God. Now, that's why there is difficulty in this for many of us, right? Because we have parents who have failed us, who have not been true to their promises. So, it's not too late. You have, you have to be true. If you told, if you told them you're going to take them out for, for Disneyland this summer, I don't care if you've signed up for overtime, unsign yourself from overtime. Take your child. Be true to your promise. Amen? Now, the conclusion. Let's see if I can bring this all together. Mothers... You can make a significant spiritual impact in your family with or without the help of a father. Amen? I've been saying that repeatedly. So if you can remember one thing, remember that, right? You can do that by promoting, again, first, promote reverence for Scripture. Promote it. You should be promoting it. Promote a genuine faith, and you should be living it. That's how you promote a genuine faith. How do you promote reverence for Scripture? You read it, you teach it, and then you live it. And then you are to promote eagerness to serve. Amen? Eagerness to serve. Not discourage them, but encourage them to serve God with their lives. Amen?
And then husbands, if you have this kind of wife, Proverbs 31.30, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen? If you have that kind of woman, you are blessed. I mean, if you have a wife, you are blessed because, I mean, honestly, look at yourself. I'm kidding. <laughs> look at yourself. Let's look at ourselves and we say, wow, we tricked somebody to say yes to us. <laughs> she actually said yes, my goodness. <laughs> what is wrong with her? Right? No, but... Uh, moms, happy Mother's Day. Um, we praise God for you. Um, we, we worship. I, I worship God and I praise God for, for all the moms in this church. I know there's plenty of moms in this church that have instilled all these things to their children. That's why their children are eager to serve and be used by God. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much. That's our message. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your message for us tonight. We thank you again for the moms that you've given to us. We pray for blessings for them. And we ask now, Lord God, for all the truth that you have spoken to us tonight. May we remember them. May we live them out, Lord God. And may you protect us from the enemy, Lord God, who wants to steal them, Lord God. Please keep them in our minds and in our hearts. And help us, Father, give us the, the sincerity and the desire to live for you. And all these things we ask in your son's name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.